And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by StravaCraft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do that, they hook you up with 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life-altering StravaCraft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Kreisman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is, of course, beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, we get to talk trades. And not only that, we get to cherry pick some of our favorite wild and crazy trades in history. Uh, We talk a lot about how, of course, the Rockies haven't made a ton of moves in the last several years. There was a time in their history where they were a bit more active in the market but still not a a ton of wild moves to look at a couple i wanted to talk about a little bit uh, and then some really fascinating ones over the history of major league baseball and and we'll see if you know patrick this offseason which ends up being a a very strange one i think in many ways will yield some uh trades that at, at any other time you know would seem absolutely insane where guys are just going to be getting moved because uh, they're making $3.5 million for a guy who's making $1 million. And so they're, you know, there's going to be all kinds of stuff. We've talked about all of that, but let's begin as we must with the Rockies ones. And there were really two big ones I wanted to highlight here. Uh, if there are any others that come to mind, absolutely hit us up with your comments, whether you're joining us on uh, Facebook or Periscope right now. Uh, let us know some of your favorite trades in Rockies history and MLB history and uh, just what what you thought was most fascinating or interesting about them. The two I want to talk about, I think most Rockies fans remember, but I don't know, Patrick, that they're always remembered for how many elements there were to them. Uh, and, and sort of the gimme here that I want to start with is actually the DJ LeMayhew trade. Uh, that that I think was uh, people look back on as this great trade for the Colorado Rockies. But as you know, Patrick, uh, the player who we're now looking at as a potential AL MVP was probably the least talked about person in that. We call it the DJ LeMahieu trade now. That's not what it was called then. No, it would have been the Ian Stewart trade, I think, uh, by most uh, Rockies fans as you know he was Colorado's big third baseman in a time that was after the Garrett Atkins era and just before the Nolan Arenado era and you know in in that deal Colorado also gave up their first round pick Casey Weathers who a lot of folks were were very much 
hyped about. And, you know, as it as it turned out, uh, Ian Stewart was worth zero war to the Chicago Cubs, played in only 55 games, and Colorado got one of their all-time greatest players, uh, second baseman DJ LeMahieu. And Tyler Colvin was also included in that deal, coming Colorado's way, and he was no slouch either. He was worth 2.1 war according to baseball reference in in 2012 so that was you're right that goes down as one of a a gimme as far as one of the best trades in rockies history that was just a huge piece that it worked out they sold when the stock was highest on ian stewart and they got a guy whose stock was on the relative low side the the cubs just didn't know what they had i think in in lemayhew and colorado did pick their pockets and and now he could be the AL MVP. <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty amazing to look back on. I, I found this little gem I wanted to share with everybody from Chicago baseball beat writer Bruce Levine. Levine, I, I will get that wrong every time. Um. <laughs> it goes both ways. It can be pronounced both ways. Right. That's a, so uh, so I'll call Bruce. Uh, I, I think it's Levine. I think it's Bruce Levine, uh, Chicago baseball beat writer. Uh, at the time, uh, on ESPN... So the headline is Cubs trade Tyler Colvin to Rockies. So that's your headline. And then the first paragraph is the everybody's names, right? That's what you're going to get. And then the next part is a breakdown of Ian Stewart, the 26-year-old Stewart. He had a wrist injury last year. He only hit 156, no home runs, but he'd hit 43 home runs between 09 and 2010. Then a bunch of quotes from Jed Hoyer about all the promise of DJ LeMahieu saying things like, we're expecting him to come in and have a bounce back from last year. He didn't. Uh, we're looking for him to be our starting third baseman. We think he's um, a, a batting average adjustment away from being successful. He wasn't. Had nothing to do with his batting uh, his batting stance. Excuse me. I think it's a batting average. His batting stance. Um, and, and so there, there's all this stuff about Stewart, him taking over for Ramos Ramirez at the time. More stuff on Stewart. And then they get to Weathers underwent Tommy John surgery in 2008, missed the 2009 season, pitched in Double A, went. Two for two with a 5.22 ERA added to the 40-man roster, uh, and then more quotes from Jed Hoyer. You know, we're expecting him. He's got a great arm. He can still throw in the upper 90s. We hope a change of scenery will do him uh, well as well. Then at the end here, you know, they say you know Colvin. They break that down. Uh, he had a really rough year that final season with the Cubs, uh, but the Rockies are hoping some Coors Field can help him turn around. And then the very final paragraph of this article in its entirety. LeMay, he was drafted by the Cubs in the second round in 2009. He hit 250 with no home runs and four RBI, well, four RBIs, it says, in 37 games last season. He hit 250 with no home runs and four RBIs in 37 games last season. That is the only note on the ESPN write-up. And, well, he's AL MVP candidate two years in a row now, buddy. Bruce Levine, and, and 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 it's not Bruce wasn't the only one. We shouldn't pick on one no. person. That that is indicative of that is symbolic of you know I, I was covering that at the time from the other side, not covering it the way I do now so much as I was very enthusiastically blogging about it. But still, it it was yeah. Tyler Colvin's a guy who could really rake at Coors Field. He could come in here and do some, and he did. Like you said, that first year he really did. He had this weird thing where he he was like an every other year guy for a minute. And then he just stopped being an any year guy at all. But like Colvin, uh, Stewart, Weathers, 
all out of baseball. None of those guys are they're I mean they're completely out of baseball, right? They might I mean they might be playing in like mm-hmm. Japan somewhere or something. I don't I don't know, but Weathers never made never made it to the majors. So, you know, Rockies hey, they did a bad job drafting. But it doesn't matter. Like that that's a huge piece that that I guess I, I've never gotten a chance to, to touch on in my, you know, critique of, of the Rockies is, you know, the Rockies do a good job on the draft uh, draft side some years, other years maybe not so much. And and you could draft well, but if you're not developing, well, that's that's a horse of a different color. That's something else. But even two years out from drafting a player, all the other teams in MLB have great interest in the guy that you have. They're, they're not an... Uh, a proven product to be broken or they're not a guy who makes it to the majors and fails and people have already figured this guy out they're still a prospect in waiting you can make the exact same case about riley pint right now where sure the bloom is off the rose for riley pint but he's still a young guy that another gm and another organization could look at and say well we might be able to harness what he's got probably not as a starter almost assuredly not as a starter but we might be able to use him in, in the back end of our bullpen, and that's got some value. So whether or not a guy makes it to the majors or not sometimes can be irrelevant. If you can get value for that, because can't, you can't trade draft picks. That's, that's, that's just a fact. Outside of the compensation round uh, picks, you can't trade draft picks. That's it. But you can trade prospects almost immediately after you get them. It usually doesn't happen that way, but you can trade them immediately. So Colorado didn't like what they were getting out of Casey Weathers. And the Cubs said, well, yeah, you know what? Maybe he isn't doing terribly well, or or we just think he's going to do better in our system. So Colorado says, go for it. Because we think we're not really giving up that much. Chicago thinks they're getting back a decent amount in addition to Ian Stewart. So Okay, maybe maybe the Rockies didn't do a great job by taking Casey Weathers, but I tell you what, they did a fantastic job by dealing him, getting great value out of it. Even if you just look at Tyler Colvin, even if you were to deal your first round pick right. for Tyler Colvin, you go, well, you won out on that deal. You got better value. You got a guy who could contribute at the majors. No ifs, ands, or buts. You, uh, it's it's a moot point to say well if weathers had done this or if this guy didn't get injured or whatever sure you can dream and hope on all of those things but at the end of the day colorado won that deal hands down in in yeah one of the more lopsided trades probably in the last decade yeah that that trade really should be nicknamed the counter example it really is the antithesis of all of the best critiques about the Rockies about how like they never part ways with promising players while they're still maybe in the middle of their physical prime have shown some promise but aren't really doing well Ian Stewart they shipped right on out of there same thing with the they hold on to their prospects for way too long and always expect them to develop and come through and with Casey Weathers are like nah man you got to get out of here and they never you know they don't make a good enough investment and going out and making trades and finding other teams, you know, sort of diamonds in the rough from other team systems and locating those guys. And this, of course, is the gigantic counterexample to that with what they got out of LeMayhew. So, uh, yeah. The you can make that, yeah, you, you can make that case. And I don't know if this is your second big one. I'm thinking it's not. But the, the other example is Kevin Padlow. You got a guy where, hey, another organization sees a guy in the low levels of the minors. They, they're 
they like what they see. And, of course, Corey Dickerson and Jake McGee are the two big headlines of that deal. But you've got that same general concept of, you know, somebody else might covet your guys more than you. And you can get creative in, in these kind of deals. That's that's another two-for-two two deal, uh, like like the one in December of 2011 between Cubs and Rockies where they get DJ LeMahieu. Well, same thing in uh, – this would have been 2015, I believe, um, where, again, it's two for two. It's it's McGee and Hermen Marquez. That's the headline there. Um, for Corey Dickerson, good young ball player, no doubt about it, still contributes at, at, at the major league level, you know, for for Tampa Bay. And, and they go and turn around, and they end up flipping him for Daniel Hudson, who – ended up getting released so that didn't work out for Tampa but Padlo's still yet to make his his debut uh Jake McGee getting great value at the major league level but Colorado plucked somebody great from their system they, they almost, you almost call these challenge trades it it's you know something that it, uh the Red Sox and Yankees almost did where the two GMs at the time I'm not sure if it was Ed Barrow who was the GM of the Yankees at the time but basically had a total bender one night. It might have been. It might have been Barrow and Yawkey. Had a total bender one night. And they go, let's do it. DiMaggio, comma, Joe, for Ted Williams. They agree on it. They shake hands. And you go, hey, I can get more out of your guy than you can. And you can have my guy. It's a challenge deal. And it's, right. it's great. It's exciting to think about, especially when it matches up so evenly like that. And then, of course, when they sobered up the next morning, they realized – Oh my God! I I can't trade my franchise guy, even if I get back something better. It doesn't matter. The PR nightmare that would that would rot would be atrocious. So, yeah, you can you can get so much value from the minor leagues that never has to present itself for your team in the majors because somebody else is giving you value for that. And if you're not going to get it yourself, you might as well have somebody else pay for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well. <laughs> That's a, a great way to get that story in there. It's pretty fantastic path you took us on there. I enjoyed that ride. Uh, so I'll tell you what, because that wasn't the next trade I, I was going to talk about, but I, don't I figured it would be. I, have, I, I don't have anything else to add there. So you, you nailed that one. Taking us into our next one, though, I've, I've got I've to tell you this story because as we were thinking about these things and, and, and I started thinking about this, Patrick, uh, <laughs> I relived a, a personal nightmare all over again. I, I and and it's funny because, you know, now I I am an adult human for the most part. I mean, let's, for the most part, uh, it is stretching it. Asterisk, um, you know. I mean, that's a, it's a we're a baseball <laughs> right. podcast, so <laughs> right, right. Uh, John Gray once told me I can't remember if he said this on the podcast. I think he did on one of his several podcast appearances. Look, some guys you can just go to. Uh, and he, he said one of the great things about being a baseball player is that you never have to actually grow up for real. Like, you just get to be a kid forever. And I feel like that's kind of the same thing about being a baseball podcaster and writer. And so, true. The one way in which that, there's an important difference, again, well, let's put up a big asterisk there, is that now that I am of age, I can reach for a cold, calming Breck brew. I've got this Hot Peak IPA right here. Uh, it is very cold, fresh out of the fridge. Uh, and then I'm, there you go. That's for the, the podcast listeners who think I'm making it up. You got to join us and, and have one with me here on the, uh, uh, whether it's the Facebook and Periscope, Monday through Friday at 4.05 p.m. On Wednesdays, join us on YouTube. 
You sold me on the calming. The that was the piece. Yeah. Calming. Love mm. that. We, if there's anything people need right now, 21 and older, it's uh, it's to be calmed. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I've I've got my cool calming, hot peak IPA. If the IPA is a little much for you, and I look, if you're an IPA drinker, you have got to get on this high peak, hot peak situation immediately. Um, if IPAs are a little much for you, as they are for my better half, well, you reach for that strawberry sky, maybe the avalanche amber. Uh, the new favorite, which can be difficult to find. So if you see Palisade Peach Wheat at your local King Supers or, you know, the liquor store or wherever you might see it, just get it and run. Stock up, get it. Like, I'm telling you, stock up on it the way people were stocking up on toilet paper at the beginning of this whole COVID situation because you, you don't want to be left out of that peach, Palisade Peach Wheat. I'm telling you, it's Pal- a new favorite beer. I, well, that's, that's, the, that's the ad right there. That's the sale. Palisade peach is 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 the toilet paper of November, <laughs> essentially. I mean, pe- people know what that means. They go, I'm oh, sure right, buy. right, right. Oh, I'm sure they'll buy into that. So call 303-803-1380. Tell them you want some toilet paper. They'll be very confused. <laughs> and then explain. No, that's code. No, that's code. They know. They know what that means. That means, you know what? We tell people we're sold out because we are for the most part, but we're going to tap into our, our special back stock that's only for employees. We'll get it just for you at the farmhouse. Right. Uh, and then once you use promo code DNVR to save five bucks off the whole thing, they'll understand. They'll be like, oh, you're one of those people. I get it. <laughs> you use the DNVR code. It all makes sense. Here's your five bucks off your food and your drink. You presumably quite wild person who does now have your calming Breck brew to remember the trade where the Rockies finally parted way with one of the most famously disastrous contracts in team history, which actually was nowhere near as bad uh, when you go back and look at it as you think. Mike Hampton, when they finally let go of Mike Hampton, it was really about getting rid of this guy who had uh, signed an eight-year, $121 million contract, which at the time, you know, for the Rockies was just like, uh, what What would the equivalent, let's let's start, let's pump the brakes for just a minute before breaking okay. down the rest of this. What would even the equivalent of that be right now for, for the Rockies to go out? And I mean, because that was, that was the biggest pitcher on the market and they signed him to like a record-setting deal. That would be like... If they'd got not quite like if they'd gone and signed Garrett Cole because it wasn't that level of uh, class, but still, I mean, Hampton was considered, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a, yeah, uh, at least a two hundred fifty million dollar contract today. Precisely right. Like that's the headline, Hampton esque, and it's like, well, wait a minute, you're burying this guy before he even makes an appearance, but you go Hampton esque. Rockies Inc. Trevor Bauer to two hundred fifty million dollar deal. Right, that's precisely it. That, that you that. actually, you nailed. It. Yes. <laughs> so, and then if after a couple of years uh, of him being a little bit better at the plate than he is on the mound, <laughs> uh, gets everybody frustrated, you end up having to move the contract. You can do something that Patrick you've talked about uh, again a lot, which is getting a contract off of your books and trading potentially promising young player that you like and you'd prefer to keep everyone has their breck bruise right but was it worth it 
before you even reveal <laughs> who they the had question. to give up, right. was it worth it? Because the weird thing is, yes, it wasn't glamorous, and we didn't really have wins above replacement. But in two years, Hampton was negative one, a little over negative one and a half wins above replacement. So yeah, he was Oof. worse than average. But what are you losing? It's the, it's what do you have Ian to give Desmond up to get buy. rid of him? Yeah, yeah, it's tough. So like. And and so this would be very similar, right? And and we've yeah. almost I've even talked I think this about this exact theoretical. If you could include Rymel Tapia to get some other team to take Ian Desmond's entire contract. Now the Desmond's contract isn't as bad, I think, and, and that Tapia is at more of a sample size and he's coming off a hot time. I think most people are like, eh, maybe not do that. But a year ago, I think almost every Rockies fan would have been fine with doing that, and it might have been somewhat similar to this, even though it. it it broke my heart more than most people's. I think. Oh, so, poor, I, poor Drew, poor baby Drew at the time. <laughs> uh, I did tweet out recently. Somebody asked me during like a random AMA on Twitter, uh, "Who's your favorite baseball player ever?" And it, it took me a second to think about. It. And I could have answered Ken Griffey Jr. or Larry Walker, uh, but really, it was it was Juan Pierre. Um, uh, he, he was the first player I ever like fell in love with watching him in the minors, you know, and knew about him before he got to the big leagues and, and really followed his path. And, and it's just different when you do that with somebody. And um, I also have always had an affinity for a, a player in any sport who can succeed in some way you're not supposed to. Uh, I always enjoyed that Rajon Rondo won a championship as a point guard and he could not shoot the basketball. Now he can, which is weird, but with the Celtics, he couldn't shoot. He couldn't hit a free throw, a, a jump shot from anywhere. Teams would back all the way off him. He still he was a phenomenal point guard. The Tim Tebow year. I ate that up. Not for the reasons a lot of other people did. What I loved was the guy kept winning baseball games and he couldn't throw a pass. He was a quarterback who couldn't pass the football. And you you said baseball. You said winning baseball games. I know you meant okay. football, but that's a that's a topic for another day. The fact that Tim Tebow, after that run, did try his hand and is as far as Rule i know he's still eligible. actively yes he's still actively trying his hand and nailed it rule five eligible so we could be seeing him in, in denver once again <laughs> let's go let's you know what and, and again like i and i you understand for that, those guys uh, yeah i just do i just like the guys that find a way to succeed when everyone's telling them you can't do it not like that and juan pierre was one of those guys. No pop, never hit more than two home runs in a season. But every year he's batting right around 300. He's stealing 50-plus bases. Uh, just In an age where people don't play the game like that, he was a throwback to a 1910s-era ball player. Uh, he wore his hat different. He had swag, the high socks, that Louisiana drawl. Just hashtag bring back Juan Pierre. Oh, Juan Pierre. Yeah, what 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 an absolute gem. And he was obviously he was fantastic uh with Miami, so that was the trade. Although you go, well, Mike Hampton never played with the Marlins. He didn't he didn't play with Florida. Well, Florida immediately turned around and, and you know, traded him uh to Atlanta, who where he was four and a half wins above replacement during his time there. Um and then my uh, Florida at the time turned around and when they were done with Juan Pierre dealt him to the Cubs where they ended up getting 
Ricky Nolasco, who was then worth an additional 10.6 wins above replacement with them. So again, it's this idea where if you can engage in trades and you know make a deal at the right time, even when the guy's stock isn't terribly high, you can mix and match and you know get creative. Because in that deal, Colorado got Charles Johnson, uh, who I big Charles Johnson fan back yeah. in the day, great catcher, uh, was worth 2.1 WAR. Uh, so they got some kind of value out of that was mainly taking the contract. But uh, ahead of the 2005 season, Colorado's like, ah, we're he's not really going to make the roster. Let's get creative. Uh, I think they dealt him to Arizona, and they got Byung-Yung Kim back for him, who was worth 1.6 war. So you can tack that on to the Hampton deal to maybe soften the blow. Uh, Johnson was out of baseball a few months later. So they, they recognized Johnson was kind of washed up. And then they got something for him in Byun Young Kim, who, when they were done with him, Colorado traded him, uh, I think, to Baltimore for Jorge Julio. And they got uh, just under one win above replacement out of Julio. So I love these kind of trade trees where you keep going down an avenue and you go, oh, that was who turned into this guy, who turned into that guy. And so the, the Hampton deal was a major one for that, that splinters off in all kinds of directions. And yeah, was was a major loss, probably the worst uh, trade loss in, in Rockies history there. Of course, Colorado also got Preston Wilson, uh, Pablo Ozuna, and Vic Darensburg, who I don't think uh, even made an appearance with Colorado. I was trying to look forward. I think... He made he pitched two point one innings for Colorado and did not allow a run before moving on to Montreal on his baseball reference page. It says, "Yeah, they, they should have used him more." You know the usage of of Vic Darrensburg. ERA, Patrick. What are they doing at that pace? He would have. Well, he still would have had a zero ERA, but it's not yeah, how it works. A perfect season. That would have been incredible. Rockies yeah, really that, blew that one. <laughs> that, yeah, that one definitely goes down as there. There is another one that was, you know, you'd have to put in the in the bad uh, realm, uh, and that was uh, at the '93 trade deadline. Colorado got back Greg Harris and Bruce Hurst. Bruce Hurst was at the end of his career uh, after spending time uh, most much of it with with Boston. Uh, you know, was was fine for a season. Greg Harris, you know, did, didn't end up doing too much. But what they ended up giving up, uh, a nice little reliever, Doug, Doug Botchler, which I might remember more about him than I should, so he might not have been that great. They also gave up Brad Osmus, who had a long career. He never had a huge career. I don't even think he was an all-star, but uh, they had picked up Brad Osmus in the expansion draft. Did a nice job of, of poaching him, I think actually from the Yankees farm system. Uh, but they kind of didn't realize what they had. They trade him before he makes his Rockies debut. And they also gave up Andy Ashby, who had some very, very good seasons <sighs> in San Diego. Yeah. I used to trade for Andy Ashby in King Griffey Baseball 1998 on the N64. Smart. Yeah, Smart. you, you got to go out and get Andy Ashby. And the Brad Osmus one is a tough because, like you said – well, you don't think like, oh man, what a great catcher! Like he would easily, I'm sure. I don't have to look it up. If I did, I, I would find out this would be true that his career war pick pick a site would easily be the best in Rockies history if he had just played his career out uh, for them, or just probably played some of his prime with them. Even like we said, somebody asked the question. I can't remember how many podcasts ago. It's been quite a year the last couple of days. 
Um, and uh, somebody asked about the, the greatest catcher in Rockies history, and we both agreed, right? It's like Chris Iannetta. The bar's not that high to get over. So, yeah. yeah. I, I was actually surprised that you brought that one up as the second biggest because, in my mind, the second biggest, uh, and maybe it's the first, is the Matt Holiday cargo deal. Well, that's now, definitely a, a bigger trade for sure. sure. Maybe not quite as wacky and zany. Right. No, definitely not. Pretty, pretty simple and straightforward. Uh, Matt Holiday was going to his his uh, final season, um, and didn't stick around in Oakland very long. He ended up getting traded to St. Louis, where they do their thing, where they they acquire a guy and they find out, yep, no, he's everything we thought and more. Let's lock him up to more of a long term deal. I so, a, I, I was going to jump in a random story, but I I, I, I I got sat in the press box. Um, I don't the the only time Oakland has come to Coors Field in the last however many years, and I just happened to sit next to some guys, some beat writers for Oakland and kind of San Francisco, and they were sort of multi-sport radio guys. I wish I could remember their names. They were great to talk to. We ended up exchanging information. We met him at the bar. We met. We were hanging out with him at the bar. Yeah. Um. And so there was just this. Um, we had this whole conversation about like, what the hell happened to Matt Holiday? In Oakland, like what, like the, the whole book could be read because you look at Matt Holiday's numbers and he's honestly like a borderline Hall of Fame. He he shouldn't he's he's not gonna be in the Hall of Fame. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he's like in the next crop of players. Whatever that next class of guys is who don't belong in the Hall of Fame, but they're if, if the Hall of Fame is just A minus A and A plus, well then Matt Holiday was a B plus major league baseball player like he's he was so damn good and for whatever like in colorado in st louis uh, even at the end of his career hanging on figuring out a way to to come up with big hits for new york or back in colorado and in oakland he was just pathetically bad and they were like dude we can't explain it he was he didn't seem to be in a bad mood he was great with the media he was always nice to us he seemed happy to be there but he just, it just couldn't do it yeah yeah, it's 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 why they you know they dealt him. They realized they didn't want to keep him around. You know, still worth three wins above replacement, but that's a far cry. You know, uh, two thirds into the season for a guy that you're you're expecting to, to almost carry your team, you know, on on his back. And you're right. You know, the Hall of you Fame is double that everywhere else, right? Correct, correct. And so the Hall of Fame is the top like one percent or less than one percent. I don't know what the actual number is. And then you know the next tier of guys. Is isn't one percent? The next tier of guys might be like the next five percent of guys, and right. and Holiday is definitely in that group. In fact, ended up uh, according to Jaws, uh, something we like to cite a lot here, uh, created by Jay Jaffe, a little system to tabulate how good a player is against the all-time greats based on like his seven best consecutive seasons, you know, in his prime, um, and and just. You know, balancing MVP votes and stuff. Matt Holiday is higher on the list of left fielders than Lou Brock. That gives you an idea. Higher than a, a Moises Alou, uh, Frank Howard for you know our parents' generation. Sure. Um, behind him on that list still is Alex Gordon, and who will stay there as he's retiring. Christian Yelich and Justin Upton. Those guys are are still working their way up. So it 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 kind of gives you an idea of of the class of guys. That he's in Jim Rice, not too far off ahead of Matt Holiday. He's a Hall of Famer, so you're right. He's not getting in, but you go. I mean, come on, like 
he so was good. he was a dude. He he was was a was a great player and so Colorado does a good job by offloading, you know, just one year of holiday. They get Greg Smith, who I didn't look into all his details. Eh, he contributed a little bit. He didn't do very much. Yeah. Houston Street, only worth a little over three wins above replacement. But dude racked up 84 saves. Yeah. Allowed him to, you know, swing a deal with San Diego. They didn't get anything in the deal. They got Nick Schmidt, who who was nothing. So that's kind of a disappointment. But the headline, yeah, the headline of the deal, it's it's, it's, it's like no longer the Matt Holiday trade, right? It's it's the Carlos Gonzalez trade. Right. The one of the guys on the, you know, Mount Rushmore of Rockies all-time great hitters. You know what might be interesting, Patrick? This would be right up your alley. I expect you to have an answer to this. I'm giving you homework for once. Uh, if it's I'm, in my alley, if it's in my alley, I, I have going to down take that care way. of it. That's right. Uh, would be to find out how many other franchises have like two players who are in their top five. Mm. I, would, I would say top ten. You know that that were traded for each other. Right where oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Carlos Gonzalez are undoubtedly both top ten Rockies. Maybe top. They're probably both in the top six, seven. Um, and they, and then the fact that they were traded for each other is, I think, really fascinating. But yeah, Cargo comes back in that deal, ends up having a decade of very good baseball for the Rockies. I'm trying to think. I I don't think Seattle got back anybody major in the Randy Johnson deal. They got like John Halama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlos, I forget what the shortstop's name was. They they got a, a decent overall package, and maybe Mike Cameron even came back in that trade. I'm not sure, but that is a that's a very good question to to research. Uh, David Price is well, it depends depending on the the trade tree you look down. I mean, David Price is still active because of all the different guys that got moved around. I think right. Willie Adams, Ryan Yarbrough. Um, there, there's one other guy that's still kind of active because of all the different trades, but just straight up one for one, that that's a very good question. Yeah, and it's going to be hard because the one thing that favors it happening for the Rockies is well, they haven't been around very long. Right, right. right. I mean, so even got to look at the other uh, expansion teams and stuff. Yeah, more likely, yeah. Even even you can even go back to maybe '79 if you want to look at you know a, a, a mm-hmm. Seattle, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, because even if you look at, at well, Alex Rodriguez, huge superstar. I, I'm not sure that he's even in the top ten for the Yankees. You know, it was Del for Alfonso Soriano. Again, two really great players in that trade, but are they in the top ten or even top twenty? Uh, oh my God, such a fantastic question. I really want to end the podcast right now, but we're not going to do that for right. everyone that's in here right now. We're going to talk more about stuff while we're having a podcast. Yeah. Let's talk more about the best trades in Rockies history. You can't talk about those deals until you talk about probably the first and best trade that they made before they had even played a single game, November 17th, 1992. In the expansion draft, the Rocky selected Kevin Reimer and immediately flipped him for uh, a player that Don Baylor had coached uh, in Milwaukee, I believe. Uh, I don't know if it was Milwaukee or if it was California. No, I think it was. I think he was a coach uh, with the Angels, and was, said, yeah. "This but, is yeah. a guy we need to target." So Kevin Reimer played 125 games with the Brewers. Uh, essentially, all of the 93 season was was less than. Uh, 
uh, one win uh, above replacement. It was in the negatives. And what did the Rockies get back? Oh, I don't know. Mr. Fist Pump himself, Dante Bichette, 12 and a half. War. Not bad. That's not a bad trade. I believe what you meant to say was <clears throat> Dante Bichette. You know, as as my father always would tell me when I was a young boy, every time I made an error or I would strike out, he would pat me on the head and say, you know what, son? Bichette happens. And I said, what? And, yeah. It was a misapplication of it. Yeah, it was a misapplication of it. But he was trying. You know, he was trying when he said that. <laughs> Bichette happens. It, it's, it'll never get old. It'll never get old. It, no, it won't. Uh, it won't. Um, all right, here's another huge one. This one's more recent. Some fans may or may not remember Jorge De La Rosa was acquired <laughs> in a trade. Yeah, I remember Jorge De La Rosa. Oh, you, yeah. I, I was well, that it, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I remember Jorge De La Rosa. <laughs> was acquired in a trade. That's right. April 30th, right. 2008, they gave up Ramon Ramirez, who actually had a fantastic year with KC there. Um, but they got um, Jorge De La Rosa and, uh, you know, the – probably the greatest pitcher in, in Rockies history. Maybe not the greatest pitcher, but the greatest, the the pitcher who performed the greatest according to wins above replacement and due to all the different eccentricities of Coors Field. That will look great on Phenomenal title. Don't, don't change know. it at all. No, yeah, that's right. Put it all, the business card, the whole thing. That, that's perfect. Change nothing. This, this is something that, oh, if if you're if you're listening to this right now and and we've got the numbers we know that there's a lot of you that are we know that you are <laughs> you have got to reach out to us via Twitter because think about this Drew and I know okay. I, I don't I'm not I'm not getting off topic but but think okay. about okay. this no, 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 whatever who cares <laughs> in just a short amount of time and I don't know if this is going to go down in 2021 because not everything's going to be open up full scale right but in a very short amount of time the Colorado Rockies will begin to have their very own Hall of Fame oh, that's right. oh, and yeah. this is the, another podcast uh, a whole that's week right. of podcasts right. who is the right. first class in the right. Rockies Hall of Fame because the McGregor right. Square going up uh, was slated to be ready by January 1st of course you know it's it's very reasonable to to think or it's rather it's unreasonable to think that it's going to be done by January 1st don't know how much longer it'll be we've still yet to get word about that along with anything else that has to do with the Rockies from their front office and, and ownership group but regardless a little bit but Jorge De La Rosa will be in that Hall of Fame and again yeah. you that's fine that's fine if people in St. Louis or San Diego, or Milwaukee, Kansas City, that's fine. You don't have to know the value of Jorge De La Rosa because the Rockies Hall of Fame is for you. It's for everybody listening to this right now. It's for you to go, you should have seen this guy pitch. Or you should have understood that, yeah, maybe he went six innings, you know, gave up two runs, or he went seven innings and gave up four runs. But do you know how many people did that during that time or did it ever? This guy was so underrated, yeah. and a new yeah. generation of fan goes through, sees these names, sees these plaques, and yeah. goes, wow, this is this is like my favorite player. I didn't get to see Walter Johnson play. My father and my grandfather didn't get to see Walter Johnson play, yet he's my favorite baseball player of all time. And Jorge De La Rosa will be like that one day for some young 
boy or girl going through McGregor Square to the Rockies Hall of Fame, they're going to see that plaque, hear the story of George of the Roses, and go, that's my guy. Hells yeah. I'm telling you. Everyone's wrong about the most unbreakable record in sports. It's, they're not wrong <laughs> to say that it's the Cy Young win total. They're just also a little bit wrong because the actual most unbreakable record in sports is Jorge De La Rosa's winning percentage at Coors Field. It's insane. It's, it's, it, 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 it'll never be broken. I'll say this. It is equally as unlikely to be broken, I think. <laughs> yeah. All right, next up on the docket, 2001. Drew, is this the Jeff Cirillo trade, no. or is it the, or is it the Brian Fuentes trade? Right, There's Jeff the... Cirillo dealt to Seattle for three players: Jose Paniagua, Denny Stark, who Sorry. did finish ninth yeah. in the NL Rookie of the Year voting in 2002, and Brian Fuentes. It's the Fuentes trade, right? Oh yeah, it's definitely the Fuentes trade. Uh, I was trying to remember uh, the the Denny Stark. I was like, because he. Didn't... Um, I'm getting there. No, he just finished out. Yeah, yeah, he had a very short career. Okay. Um, he did. Was was great in 2002. Great yeah. for I like say, a number I three, number four star. Awesome, but it was just one year. <laughs> the rest of the time, he was terrible. Um, and then, <laughs> but yeah, Fuentes. Fuentes was the guy. Uh, he's. We did our during you know the initial shutdown. We we did a lot of looking back on all-time Rocky stuffs and and we gave you the all-time Colorado Rockies team and Fuentes was easily in the bullpen in fact I think he was pretty easily like the the setup man he's still in the the back end of the Rockies all-time bullpen unquestionably and not not to drop names but Denny Stark did show up it's a big name I know Denny Stark did show up to one of our Sabre luncheons of course we're not gathering for those, but if anyone's thinking about joining Sabre, S-A-B-R dot org, uh, we have, uh, it's, it, this isn't me saying it, this is uh, the, the rest of the organization. We have the gold standard, we have the best uh, chapter in, in the entire US, in the entire world, because there are Facts. other chapters. Yeah, and so we get former players to come out, so when things get back to normal, uh, you don't even have to be a member. So you didn't hear that from me, but you can just show up and hang out with with Drew, myself, and some former Rockies players because that's uh, that's a fun time. What's oh, up yeah. next on the docket? All right, two thousand nine. Oh, what you got? What's up next? So before you give us what's up next on the docket, Patrick, I do got to remind everybody out there that the uh, well, we we will never be done talking baseball, right? They, they, there's somebody out there somewhere. I think I've heard maybe a slogan about never being an off season. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you've heard that before. We'll hear. We talk baseball. We never stop talking baseball. We're gonna keep talking baseball all through this winter, and then whenever they start playing games again, we're gonna be talking baseball. But we know a lot of you out there love your pigskin. You can't get enough. Hey, we love it every once in a while. We're gonna take it in, whether it's on. Sundays or Saturdays, there's a lot of great stuff going on out there. The season is in full swing and the action is still unfolding. So head over to DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, with so many storylines across both professional and collegiate sports. It's time to check out all that DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. If you haven't tried the app yet, head over to the store now because you don't want to miss this. We've got a great great promo for you right now to celebrate Sunday's action. DraftKings is ensuring 
all new users are covered up to $100. That's right. You bet they cover with risk-free Sunday betting. It's going to be absolutely awesome this weekend. Denver's taking on Atlanta in a clash of a couple of high-flying offenses. Couldn't quite call it a clash of Titans. You know what we're talking about. The offense is doing fantastic. Drew Locke doing some phenomenal things. The Broncos flying high after just a brilliant come-from-behind victory over the Chargers. If you're feeling hot about that, or maybe you've got your eye on some college action. Either way, you got to download that top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code RAINBOW. I know we've been using that other one, but use RAINBOW when you sign up because you can't get – you miss this. You don't want to miss <laughs> this offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring Sunday bets up to 100 bucks. That's right. You bet, and they will cover up to $100 when you use promo code RAINBOW during sign-up for a limited time only. At DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Your reward for sticking around here to the DNVR Rockies podcast is going to pay off quite financially well for you because my DraftKings pick of the week is about the foosball. And tonight... It seems like a gimme because it is. Jimmy G, George Kittle on the IR. You okay. got to go with the Packers. They're oh. given six and a half. That's, that's, uh, that's a lock. And, and you like rooting against San Francisco teams. Okay. Don't, don't act like you don't. You like rooting against the Giants. You like rooting against the Warriors who, although they're in San Francisco, they did come out with a New Jersey that says Oakland on it. I can't California figure that one out. California's had enough sports success this year. Just... Get them yes. out of here. Get them out Green of here. Bay, Green Bay, undoubtedly tonight, uh, given six and a half without Jimmy G and, and George Kittle. For it's Forget it. it, it 49ers are going to have a, a hard time scoring tonight. That's why my DraftKings pick of the week is the Packers. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. Hit me up with another trade, Sir Patrick of House Lyon. All right. Well, I was trying to think of what the Leon, name of the Green probably. Bay what, I was trying to think what the what the, the Green Bay team uh, name was uh, in baseball, and there is a Green Bay team. They are in the Northwest League Summer Collegiate team. They're the Green Bay Booyah. That's I don't know cool. what a Booyah is, but <laughs> right. and the logo is like a chicken too. The, the, the logo is a chicken. It's weird. <laughs> yes, and it, it may even it may even okay. technically have an exclamation point. So you have to use yeah. the exclamation point when you're spelling it. I'm not sure, but go Green Bay Booyah. All right, next up on the list. Well, you know, we're going to talk a lot about this. This uh, I'll leave this as our last trade. I'll throw in two ones for, for relievers. You've got um, going to Montreal, Terry Jones, worth about a win uh, yeah. to Montreal in, in uh, December of 97. So played well in the 98 season. Uh, was just a depth piece for the Rockies. But in return, they got Dave Veris, relief pitcher, who was worth 4.7 wins above replacement in the middle yeah. of the steroid era yeah. over the course of two years. Yes, it is possible, folks. Yeah, could huck it. The, the other one, going to Cincinnati, Manny Ibar, uh, in, uh, early in, in, in year 2000, and this is an April deal, and another guy they got, Gabe White, who put All together right. possibly the best season yeah. For a reliever uh, in the year 2000, four and a half wins above replacement. Yeah. 
unbelievable. Yeah, those are I mean, those are definite wins. Statistically, it's a it, it's a runaway. That was the best relief pitching season in Rockies history. I think you can make a a circumstantial argument for Manny Corpus in in 2007, and uh, you know the way he was just lights out, especially once he took over the closer role and was pitching in much more important games where the year 2000, you know the. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, the, the, the stats aren't going to support Corpus, but your eyes are because those games you, you can't add war just based on the the environment or just based on the importance of a game. But if you could, Corpus goes to the top of that list. Right. And it's also it's almost like a you know how when you when you look at Nolan Arenado's statistics and there's this like they get you look at the most like low leverage at bats and they're like way down here and then medium leverage and it goes to medium level and high leverage and they're way up here. Um, Manny Corpus's season in 07 almost went that way. Like first month of the year, he was fine. Second month, he was pretty good. Third month, he was great. And then he was phenomenal. And then by the end of the year, he was like, you can't score on this guy. And so it's like, it doesn't always account for that kind of sequencing. But that's how any ball player wants their season to go. And typically it doesn't. So a little bit of lightning in a bottle, obviously, for Corpus. But, uh, yeah, great great memory. Gabe White, not not a name mentioned enough in, in Rocky's history. Not remembered no. uh, well enough. I could not pick him out of a lineup. Same. Uh, I, I, have, I could not, I, unfortunately. If Gabe, if Gabe White walked into my house right now, I would have no idea who he was. I don't know that that would be your top priority, uh, <laughs> is his credentials uh, professionally. Real quick, what did you do for a living for, during first your of all. <laughs> mid to late 20s? Um, all right. Well, again, we've I've – mentioned this before and we've talked about it before that the Rockies have actually been really good in acquiring relief pitchers like they've they've done it um and and as we said with the Herman Marquez deal Jake McGee before they actually re-signed him to a three-year deal he was he was fine he was great you know uh, nearly two wins above replacement in those two years uh, before his free agency but yeah. in 2009 at the trade deadline they give Rockies give up their fifth round pick Connor Graham to Cleveland who never makes his major league debut yet again? Another example of hey, fifth round guy, you can dream on it. Maybe we got a fourth outfielder there, a uh, guy who can contribute. He's not making a lot of money. He never makes it to the majors. Cleveland likes him. Great, you take him because we're gonna take back another one of the guys that made that list of the best relievers in Rockies right. history that we're gonna see at McGregor Square in the Hall of Fame eventually. Yep. Mr. Raphael Betancourt. 6.3 wins above replacement, 58 saves during his time. and was probably capable of getting many, many more, but they needed him in earlier innings. So it was. It makes sense that he didn't get all the glory at the end because he was needed in much more important spots. Yeah, it's phenomenal that he got that many saves considering he didn't right? become a primary closer until the very end of his tenure in Colorado, which was also the very end of his tenure in Major League Baseball. Uh, consummate professional, uh, I, I the luxury to, to get to chat him up once or twice, just remarkably, remarkably warm man and maybe the slowest pitcher in Rockies history. And, <laughs> but yeah, he, he was the setup guy. He was the piece that for so many other Rockies years they've needed that they haven't had. He was the bridge and he was phenomenal at his job and never complained about not getting the glory of being a closer 
or uh, you know any of that other stuff. He was very happy to take the ball in the seventh or eighth, pitch two innings if he needed to. And for all the people that have come to Coors Field or grown up at Coors Field and just been obliterated, um, you know, I talk so much about how John Gray has overcome failure at Coors more than anybody, and then we talked earlier about how Jorge De La Rosa is was for starters the most consistent of anybody. Um, Betancourt is his equal in the bullpen. You know, Fuentes did have his downs, man. He really he had some great years, but everyone who remembers watching that dude pitch remembers the times where you were pulling your hair out because of Brian Fuentes or Manny Corpus after 07. Uh, most of you probably only remember Gabe White as a statistical anomaly from the year 2000. But Rafael Betancourt was a relief pitcher for the Colorado Rockies for four and a half seasons. That's uh, right. Um, uh, and he was always good. He never, Brian Shod or Jake McGee, not never. He done never. No, I wouldn't be. I'd have to look at his page. I would be shocked if he ever gave up like six runs in an inning or something like that or ever walked the bases loaded and and then gave up a double in the gap. Like, he just didn't do that. Uh, he'd give up runs occasionally, sure, but no one's perfect. But he implode? Rafael Betancourt? No. No, not at all. So our last major Rockies trade uh, wasn't necessarily a positive, wasn't a negative. Actually, there's two major trades. Um I didn't even bother putting it on my list because I figured at some point we'd talk about the Tulowitzki deal where neither positive, neither negative. I mean, there are there are a lot more positives, yeah. I think, than, than this this deal I'm about to talk about, and, and we can go in any direction. But is the Ubaldo Jimenez deal. You know, mm. he was only worth two wins above replacement for Cleveland. Colorado got back a guy who eventually figured out, Drew Pomerantz, uh, who <laughs> they turned yeah. around, not with Colorado, yeah, but right. he, they traded Pomerantz and they got Brett Anderson, who right. was worth you know a win above replacement. So again, that keeps it alive. They got nothing out of Alex White, who was the second biggest prospect in that deal. No. Matt McBride. not heard yeah. Alex White. No relation to Gabe, as far as we know. <laughs> Clearly. Matt McBride, <laughs> Matt McBride was negative uh, one win above replacement or rather he was a positive one when below replacement wubber uh and and joe gardner who never uh, made it to the majors so that was that was a loss on 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 both ends and really after kind of covering all of this what does that tell us that tells us the rockies have never actually made an awful trade they've never actually lost a deal and unless i'm not Unless I'm missing something, unless there's something I haven't uncovered here or that we haven't uncovered, they've never just straight up made a LeMahieu or cargo deal. And you go, all right, well, hey, Oakland, that's fine. you got to do those things. And and maybe that suggests something. Maybe, maybe it suggests the Rockies have never had to overpay where they go, screw it. We've got to give up our top prospects at this shot to win a World Series. So, you know – you can look at it from a lot of different ways, but yeah. bottom line, they they haven't they haven't been screwed over. I'll say that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like I've often made the case that they've been decent in the in, in the trade market, but I'm not sure I've ever put it quite in those terms. Certainly, we we know they've been better 
both under O'Dowd and under Jeff Breidich at, at making trades than they are at, at signing free agents. You know, you look at yeah. Jeff Breidich's positive free agent signings and you're kind of squinting at, you know, I've said many times, I'll, I will hold up Gerardo Parra and, and until I'm lying on my deathbed. Um, but then it's, you know, you're almost starting at Daniel Bard after that. And that's, that's not a good look for free agent signings. Um, but trades, the percentage is almost in the other direction. So yeah, there's, there's a lot. And, and for franchise history, uh, that, that's something worth diving into. I think a bit more as we continue our research over the off season for sure. Yeah. The, the recent deals that Bradich has made, the, these small scale deals have just been ones where, uh, you know, they haven't given up a lot and they got something that they thought, you know, maybe, maybe they can make it work, you know, whether it's, you know, James Pazos, uh, giving up Hunter Stovall, who has, has jumped around uh, various positions for the Phillies. And, you know, he still has an opportunity to make his debut, but as just a small dude, hasn't really come together for him and, and probably won't. So that's no harm, no foul. Uh, you know, the, the Joe Harvey deal, they gave up a, a really young player in Alfredo Garcia, who pitched really well in Staten Island uh, in, in his uh, part of one season in 2019 so we'll keep our eye on that situation see what becomes of him um, and then the Philip deal Mike Talkman is one you go oh they definitely lost that one so far that probably will stay that way but you know when when it's when it's all said and done if if teams keep Talkman around and you know he's just ho-hum you look and go all right the Yankees caught lightning in the bottle in, in, in 2019 and, and for parts of, of 2020 and the Yankees can do that because they're the Yankees when you put those pinstripes on you do get superpowers you know it, it happens with with them it happens with Boston when Boston's going right it happens with the Dodgers when when it's going right and that that's really it it's really those three three franchises when right. they're in a pennant the building is packed and there is just a lot of juice and a lot of ghosts that's a key piece is you got to have those ghosts, those spirits that are there um, to make things turn the right direction. So, you know, I, I give, you know, Bradish some credit for not not sitting still entirely and, and trying to see if he can get some of these reclamation projects together uh, from the relief core, but it hasn't worked yet. And, and he's going to have to do something this offseason. I think we, we, we could have our next Dave Varis, Gabe White, Raphael Betancourt. Huh? It could happen this off season, which is an awful tagline for this off season, by the way. If we're, <laughs> if we're trying to sell this on the poster. It's like you know, you have SummerSlam fifty-seven thirty. Nice. You got SummerSlam. You put all the stars up, or you know, you got a jet ski. Like it's summer's heating up. WWE SummerSlam. The twenty twenty-one off season for the Rockies might be who's the next Dave Harris, <laughs> Raphael Bentoncourt, Gabe White. Right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, there there are worse things to be totally like like yeah. Gabe White. What does he even look like on the poster? We don't we don't know who Gabe White is. As far as we're concerned, Gabe White is a collection of statistics. <laughs> only yeah, only Raphael Betancourt deserves to have his actual picture because people know what he looks like. But you're right, right. Veras and White just gets the black silhouette of a body with like a Rockies cap on, or don't even have it be a Rockies right. cap, just a silhouette. And you're like, what? first off, how am I supposed to be excited by these guys? Second, I've never heard of these guys. Third, I only recognize Betancourt. Four, you're not even giving me an opportunity to recognize Varys and White because they're just silhouettes. 
Like you got to recognize them on your own, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that uh, would be a very short trailer for that movie. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I think that's right. Uh, on that note, <laughs> thank you everyone for hanging out with us, having a whole lot of fun. Hit us up with any other trades that you think we might have missed or any others that you want to talk about or any other elements of these trades that you happen to find particularly fascinating or interesting. And make sure that you join us for more trade talk, but this time for the future instead of the past for free trade Friday. You know, it's what we're doing every Friday is now again on both the Facebook and Periscope at 4.05. You can join us live. You can submit your own trade ideas via baseballtradevalues.com. You take a little screenshot of a trade that you've made, send it to us on Twitter, at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You can email either of us, Drew or Patrick, at DNVR.com. Uh, and you got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so that you don't miss any of the written content. Plus, you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks. I did that backwards. Hats, masks, shirts. Which way is the stuff? You get a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar. And I keep forgetting to mention something else. You got to get involved with our Discord chat. I'm going to be in there a lot more. But when you're a member, I keep saying there's a lot of other stuff. You get to be a part of this great community. What does that even mean to you be a part of this great, awesome, kind community? Well, come hang out with us in a Discord chat. If you don't know what that is, basically, it's just a chat room where we've got now about a 1,000 hardcore Denver sports fans who are hanging out all the time every day. Sometimes they're talking sports. There's a Broncos room, a Rockies room, a Nuggets room, an Avs room. You can talk about any one of those individual sports, hang out with the beat writers, ask them some questions throughout the day. It's a direct and, line to us. It's a direct right. line. You don't have to go through Twitter. You can talk with other subscribers and those hardcore fans. We even have rooms for WGT Golf. We got one about music. And hey, if you got new music or you're, you got a band out there, you'll be surprised how much support our community gives you. And of course, DNVR Bets, we've got one just about that. So if, if you don't know what's going on in the world of ping pong, We've got some listeners and some subscribers right. that do, and guess what? You might win a couple bucks on uh, ping pong going on over there in Russia. It's really great. If you are a subscriber, check that Discord out. It's a direct line to everybody that you know and love from DNVR. Right. There's a room where people talk about their fantasy teams. If you just want help building your fantasy teams, you can go talk in that room. Like, There's so much cool stuff. Basically, it's a great big hangout for everybody in the DNVR family. And the only way you get to join it is to subscribe to the dnvr.com so make sure that you've done that and that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there we will continue to be absolutely patrick lyons and drew creaseman in here and until next time we will see you at the ballpark